Welcome. Over to you. Welcome to you. Welcome to me. Uh, it's great to see you all this morning. We're going to press right on with looking at the Word of God. And uh, you will know, as has already been announced, I'm going to be looking at Timothy, the book of Timothy. And, uh, and then next month, I'm going to be looking at uh, the intercessory prayers of Jesus. But right now, for the book of Timothy. Going to do it in two parts this morning, apparently. And then I'll follow on next week. Right. To begin with, and I'll slow down, even though I'm rushing time, but I don't want to rush the word of God. But I do want to give a context to this book um, right now. And I want you, as I read Timothy, or as you read 1 Timothy, to hear the voice of an apostle, a true apostle. And I want you to listen to the hearing of his protege, Timothy. So this is a message from the Apostle Paul to his understudy or his sidesman, Timothy. And it is outstanding. It's revolutionary. It's pointed and it's specific. And it has a lot to say to us and to the church, the whole church of Jesus Christ today. So, the message really that I want us to hear is this. And this is what I, when I read Timothy, this is the word that I get. Contend. Contend. And I hear Paul saying to Timothy, I want you to contend for the faith. I want you to contend for truth. I want you in the church at Ephesus to contend and fight for the, uh, uh, the health and the wealth and the welfare of the church. I want you to be contending. So Timothy, right now, hear me, stir up. It says in Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 1, 6, stir up the gifts that God has given you found them into flame because now is the moment. And I believe that God can be saying that apostolically to every one of us because many of us have been gifted by God. We have been called by God. We have been want to be used by God. And maybe because of circumstances and home life and careers and so on, that gift that we practice once upon a time now has become more dormant. But I say to us this morning, now is the time to stir up the gift within us, stir up the gift within the church, stir up the gift within the body. God is saying right now, this is the time for action. Contend for faith, contend for the church of Jesus Christ, contend and fight for truth and stir up the gift within you. Now. I've got to tell you that sometimes I'm tired of contending. And, and I remember in church life when I was pastoring the church, I'd feel I'd get like a word from God and I would work and study on that word from God. And then pastors amongst you will know exactly what I'm talking about. David, you'll know. And you get up there on a Sunday morning, go to my office, pacing up and down, trying to get into some kind of anointing to deliver this word, but it's like being pregnant, which is difficult for a man to understand. 
but the nearest I get to being pregnant is having a word and trying to give it. And um, so there's life within the word. And I'm pacing up and down my office and I get myself into a place where I'm ready to deliver that word. And just before I go onto the pulpit, nearly always happen when I'm pregnant with the word, somebody will tap me on the shoulder and say, oh, pastor, I've got a question about your message last week. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you. And, and I've been listening to the internet and for goodness sake, get out of my way and let me get into the pulpit. Oh, some, some lady will come up and say, I hope you're not too long this morning. My son's picking me up and we're going out for a family meal. Uh, no, get out of my head. And I just want to get up there and deliver the word of God. And that, and from, from, uh, from the uh, congregation to the pulpit, I'm contending. I'm fighting to actually clear the way for the word of God. And uh, this message here is, remember, it's post-Easter. Easter's gone. Resurrection. Acts 2, the Holy Spirit has fallen on the church of Jesus Christ. Now is the time of anointing and power without resistance. God now is pouring out his spirit on the church. And yet here is Paul telling Timothy to contend, to fight. This is not the time to relax. Years ago, I, I, I was pastoring a church. And I was having, you'll not believe this, 250 miles to pastor the church. So every Sunday morning, I had to get up at 4 o'clock, set off at 5 to get there for 10.30 and uh, to lead the church. And I did that for a couple of years. I've been working for the international missions up until that point for a while. And I did it for a couple, and I was worn out, absolutely worn out. So I said to the guys at headquarters, I said, I'm not sure I can keep doing this. And I've had my house up for sale, which was in Cheddar at that time, and it's not selling. And I'm not sure I can keep doing this. They said, well, there's, there's only one other opportunity locally if you can't sell your church. And that is the church that we're going to close down in about 12 months. And he said, you can, we'll give you 12 months in that church and we'll give you £100 a week. But we need to tell you that the church on the point of closure it's not, it's not because of the fault of any previous pastor or anything. It's, it's lost support. It's heavily in debt. The pastor's leaving. And really, the congregation is so small. And Claude, go and give it 12 months. And if it doesn't happen, we'll close it down. But this is what we would do and suggest that you do to give it another go. Because that used to be a church of about 100 and it was a vibrant church, but it's gone. But we'll give it one last go. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll think about that. And uh, I thought, well, I know, I'll go to the pioneer, the person who first originated, who pioneered the church, a guy called Ron Jones. And I went to him to try and understand what the DNA of the church was, what its foundations were, what were the guiding principles that he set in that pioneer church and he told me and he said the first thing I did in that church as it was a very small group a little pioneer church he said I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ straight up not compromising I just preached salvation preached the gospel 
in an uncompromising way. The second thing I did, I offered real leadership to the church. And I wanted to draw, I wanted to inspire, and I wanted to present a, a real spiritual dynamic in the church. The third thing I did in the church, there's a, because we were so small and just a few of us, a little team, we focused on prayer. And we realized that we could not get out of the pioneer situation. We didn't leave it behind. We would continue that along the way. But we would pray for everything. And we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to enter the presence of the group of people and give us life together. Having heard him say that to me, I said yes to the church. And I applied Ron's principles. I went to the church and I simply preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and inspired faith. I want to build faith up and give it vision and give it hope. Knowing that we'd only got 12 months. It was in huge debt. It couldn't afford even a microphone. It had nothing, just a small group of people, but no money, massive debt on the building. So the only thing that we could do if we wanted people, if we wanted people of gifting, people of anointing, if we wanted people to come into that church who would be the bedrock of it, looking for pillars of the church, they had to come from the outside in. We had no other remedy except prayer. And the whole group of us started on a journey of prayer and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed for everything that we wanted, everything that we needed, everything from a microphone to a light, to a mic stand, to a guitar, we had to pray it in. And for 12 months, we prayed it in. At the end of 12 months, at the end of it, and it's not because of me, the end of it, they were able to pay me a salary from nothing to a salary for a pastor. At the end of 12 months, the congregation was big enough because God had sent us gifting that we were able to have a band. We were able to buy some equipment. We got a PA system. At the end of 12 months, it was a going concern. At the end of five years, it was way over 100 people. And it just grew and grew and grew. And it was all based on prayer and then intercession. This in Ephesus is a church, a glorious church, Ephesus, that's got itself into deep trouble. It was pioneered by Paul and Timothy, who was on his team, but now troubled times because it had become and was an island in the sea of paganism. A church was an island in the sea of paganism and false religions. Troubled times were this, that there was a threat outside and there's a threat from within. I've got cramp in my leg. My legs got cramp. Wait a minute. Oh. No, I'm contending. <laughs> I've got cramp in my leg. It's all right for them laughing. <laughs> anyway, what was the saying? So, oh yes, don't contending. All oh, right, so they were. And so they got these troubled times outside, but there was a tendency in the church because they were so attacked from the outside by these false cults and false religions, pagan religions, 
that the church have become comfortable with them. And they soften. This is a church in Ephesus, which was a jewel in the crown. The edges of the church were accommodating. They weren't standing out. They were losing their distinctiveness. They were losing their sense of calling. And so they were accommodating. They had a soft underbelly that was trying to be at peace with everyone and unite everyone. And it wasn't working. And the troubled times are this, that the threat was so great, it was so invasive, that the church was under real threat. And so Paul, who pioneered it, couldn't get to Ephesus. And to be the truth, he was almost at the end of his life and ministry. But still this man, with great passion, Last week, I was listening to a, a mentor of mine, a, a guy called uh, uh, John Lancaster, 96 years of age, 96. And he preached at the Easter service of our great church at Bridge Street in Leeds, which is a huge church. And he preached, sat down like me, the most glorious message, Easter message, as if he was delivering it as a 30-year-old. The energy and the clarity and the insight. Man, it was wonderful. He's still got a voice. He's still relevant. He's still heard. He's still got an audience. And here, Paul knows he'll never get to Ephesus, but the church he loves that he pioneered, he wants it saved. He wants it re-pioneered. He wants it protected. He wants it not only just to be held sure, but to grow and develop. And so he's got a very powerful message to Timothy. And he says, Timothy, wake up, stir up your gifts. It's time for action now. We've got to save this church and only you can do this. So his message was, Timothy, stand up for truth. He says to Timothy, sort out the leadership and build a true leadership in the church, sort out your worship and the practices that are going on in the church. And Timothy, I'm gonna teach you about prayer and intercession. You're going to learn to contend. And the thing is this, I know that we're in, 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 in a time of prayer and intercession and fasting. Fasting, fasting does this. It gives you the sharp edge to the prayers that you're praying. It's a sign almost of I'm serious about this. And when we move from prayer to intercession, we are serious. We are serious. I'd be as serious when I move into session as if my child was dying, I was praying for their life. I'd be serious about it. And when he's calling the church now in Ephesus to pray, he's not saying just pray. This is not putting sugar in your tea. He's calling it to real intercession. Serious prayer. And God has placed intercession in the church because intercession changes things. And he has called intercessors of a particular, it's not really a gift, but a particular anointing for intercession and gives them the visibility of the moving of the Holy Spirit and they can clear the landscape. And Timothy, you've got to clear the landscape and the church, I'm calling 
you to call the church to prayer and intercession, not only for your church, not only for Ephesus, but for kings and queens, for the whole of society. That tells me that we are the center of the shaping of society as the church of Jesus Christ. And our intercession really works when we really intercede. And I'll talk more about this maybe next week. But when Jesus was on the cross, he was standing in the gap. He was interceding. And you imagine the fortitude and the concentration and the contending that was going on on the cross. That's intercession. Started shouting. Paul, they reckon, was about 50, 60 years of age. Timothy was about 20, 30. He's a great pioneer now at the end of his ministry, still fighting. And he's saying to the church, and I say this to our church Paul, uh, Timothy, remember the main thing is the main thing. The main thing is the main thing. We can get lost in the secondary issues, but the main thing, the church of Jesus Christ is here on earth to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is making this very clear, the salvation. And I ask myself globally in this country, which is, post-Christian environment. What is the church doing? I was devastated, not devastated, but I was interested that I was listening to a governmental talk some while ago, and they were saying, this is where, this is how we are supporting society. And, and they went through all the categories, benefits and so on, and, and it got to the end of this is how we're supporting society. We are funding church churches to open food banks. Now, that is great. I mean, and there are many, many, many churches all over the nation with food banks. But if I'm defined by my food bank as a church, I want to be fined for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to live at peace with all men, really, because I know that the gospel brings tension and it confronts and it stirs up. And a little bit of opposition wouldn't go amiss. The main thing is the main thing. So, Oh, we quarter of an hour's up. I'm going to have a break and I'll come back for the second quarter of an hour. Over to you, Jim. Great, thanks, Claude. It's me, Jim, is it? I've got Alpha on my uh, little sheet there. No, we've cancelled Alpha. <laughs> All right then. Uh, so, following on, and we, it's a beautiful song, I mean, it's just, just, I love that, I really did. She's our overcomer. But Romans 8, 37 
says that we are overcomers. And we all want to be overcomers, but to be an overcomer, you must be a contender. And when he called them to intercession and prayer in Timothy, he was saying, face the enemy. Because that's what prayer and intercession does. It faces the enemy. And fasting gives it that sharper edge and that intensity as you face the enemy. You are involved in spiritual warfare, whether we like it or whether we don't. To be an overcomer, then we must be a contender. And I sometimes say, why me? Why little old me? Why have I got responsibility of praying for kings and queens and rulers and authorities? Why me? Well, why me? Because we are the church of Jesus, the body of Christ on planet Earth. That is our job. That's what we're here to do. And it's we that should be shaking the gates of hell. That's within our remit. That is what we do. We are about warfare. We shake the gates of hell and they will not prevail. And we plunder hell for the kingdom of God. We are waging warfare, spiritual warfare. We are contending for our town, our village, and we are contending for our church as well. So, winding up in this last 10 minutes, in 1 Timothy, I, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Jesus Christ, our hope, I write to you, Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ, our Lord. As I urge you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or even devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies because such things promote speculation rather than advance God's work, which is by faith. And the goal of this command is love. And they must have been full of false apostles because over in Revelation, when the risen Lord spoke to John, he said, I want to write to the churches. And one of those churches is Ephesus. This is uh, an appearance of the risen Lord before John on the Isle of Patmos. This golden, wonderful church. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks amongst the seven golden lampstands, the churches. I know your deeds, Ephesus. I know your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not. And you have found them false. What a great church that was filtering error and heresy and trying to keep the church together and pure. You've uh, persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not even grown weary. Well, they tick all my boxes. I mean, Ephesus for me was the golden church. But then 
I have this against you. Imagine Jesus saying that to us. You're great, but I have this against you. You've forsaken the love that you had at first. Simply that. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent. Turn around. And do the things you did at first. Because if you don't repent, turn around, I'll come to you and I will remove your lampstand, lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour, that you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Imagine that. Brilliant church, Ephesus, but the risen Lord has got this against them. They've lost, they've worked so hard but they've lost their first love. And the first love is this, Jesus Christ, first and foremost, not serving him, but loving him, loving him. Paul says, I'm an ambassador, and as an ambassador, an apostle rather, which is an ambassador, I've got a voice. It means sent out one. And an apostle is this. He's one. A, he's ordinary amongst people. And all the apostles were ordinary amongst the people. They didn't wear special gowns and special gear. They were ordinary, working class people. But they had an amazing call from God that was specific. You would know an apostle as you'll know, minister of Jesus Christ, because they're out front. They stand out. They're overseers. They respond to big challenges. They are spiritually keen. They are not afraid of new beginnings. They are growing people to grow people. And they have a voice. And even though I'm wary of people who call themselves apostles today, because the apostles are the one that wrote the scriptures, but there is a gift, I believe, of apostleship in the church today. And I believe that we as a church have an apostolic presence and ministry to be out front, to be overseers in our society, to responding to the big challenges, to be spiritually keen, not afraid of new beginnings, growing people to grow people. That's an ambassadorial position. That's an apostolic calling. We are an apostolic congregation. And we're in a, an apostolic congregation by it says in, uh, in Timothy. Paul, an apostle of, apostle of Jesus Christ. My voice is not a voice about my ministry. It's not about how successful it may have been or not been or what a great this we have or this new house we've got or how talented, how gifted we are, how brilliant I am at singing or playing the piano. It is not our only voice is Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle, the man with a voice, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I talk, I gossip, I sing, I preach Jesus Christ, the church has got to be known for its voice. 
and its voice is it preaches Jesus. It doesn't just show, it has a voice. Preach Jesus Christ. Tell Jesus Christ. By the command of God, he says, I'm an apostle of Christ by the command of God. Now, David and Jeannie are there this morning. I can see. Let me put you, let me put you onto the massive screen. There we are. I've got you now, David and Jeannie. David, I don't know if I've told David this story, but in olden days, I used to go to Bath. And as I went down the high street in Bath, sometimes I bump into somebody preaching on the streets of Bath. And I could hear them preaching, and I'd walk up to the crowd around them, little crowd around them, and they'd be working a sketchboard and talking about Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ and how to come to salvation. And I sat on a bench many times, pulled a peak over my head so nobody saw me, particularly David, and I sat there and I listened to what he was saying. And I was amazed by the bravery of the man. I was put in charge of open air, camp, open air when I was in college and I had to go into a place called Dorking and preach in the open air with a little group of people and it terrified me, it terrified me. And today if I had to stop in the street and just turn around and start preaching, it would terrify me. And I think of all the negatives, how many people I was putting off and so on. But there was that man, David Townsend, preaching his heart out in the center of Bath Time after time after time after time. Did he enjoy it? Did he do it for fun? No, he did it because he was under the command of Jesus Christ to do it. And Paul is under the command. And he uses this word in, 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 in uh, the book of Timothy time after time. Command, command, command. And he said, I'm under the command of God. I would love God to give me a command. Just give me a command so I know what I'm doing and where I'm going. And then I look and I see that he has given me a command. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and all authority on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. Then another passage Go into all the world and preach the good news to the whole of creation. And the church of Jesus Christ is about telling, telling the good news, preaching the good news to the whole of creation. I am commanded by God. And that command in the Bible is a military word. It means that the commander has come to you in a war and said, you go out over the front. Now, you go into the trenches now. You get into that tank and go now. And when you're in command, you go. And if you don't obey the command, you're a deserter. That's a military word in the Bible. 
No volunteers. That word volunteer, I don't like that word volunteer. You're under command. I am, you are, we are, this church is. Last words are really important. And these were Paul's last words. Um, my dad was dying. He had a huge stroke. He couldn't eat. He couldn't swallow. He'd lost horrendous weight. He'd been in that vegetable state for two years nearly. And he was dying. And he was sat in a chair in the specialised nursing home. And I drove up and I took our dawn, my daughter, to see him. And he loved dawn, his granddaughter. And it was a big surprise for him, but he couldn't show any emotion at all in his face. His face was just frozen and twisted. And, and from his mouth, you know, saliva was, was running down his mouth and so on. It wasn't a pretty sight. It was all twisted and bent. And it was time for us to go. We sat with Dad for a while. And... And Dawn said, stood up, and she went over to her granddad that she loved, and she put a hand on his head and kissed him on the cheek, and she said, Granddad, I love you. And the only thing that my dad could do, the only thing I saw was tears running down his cheek. That's the only emotion I could see. His eyes didn't say anything. His face didn't, but just tears. Somehow he knew that this would be the last time he saw his lovely granddaughter. And with that we left, I got home. And the next day they told me that he died. When I went to see my mum for the very last time, she was in a nursing home. And I was about to say goodbye because I was going to travel back down here. She said to me, Claude, let me give you a kiss. And I stood up and walked across to her and she gave me a kiss. She says, I love you. Her last words. Paul's last words are so important to us as a church. I've preached way past quarter of an hour now. And these were his last words. By the command of God. I'll finish up next week, but I'll tell you what I'm desperate for. I'm desperate for, I've experienced once before in my lifetime, within church life, a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon a congregation. And that was 30 years ago, I suppose. An amazing outpouring, so much so, that just on one Sunday, on the first outpouring, the service was to finish at 12.30. There's no way that church could finish. All preaching had been done, everything had been done. There were so many people who were wanting prayer and wanting release and wanting to break through and wanting to get baptised in the Holy Spirit. People went home that wanted to go home. That service went on all afternoon. And only a few people left the building. And when it's time for the evening service, that was the days of evening services, the church was still full and people were still being prayed for. 
and people were baptized and were speaking in tongues and people's finding it was an amazing outpouring. It was heartbreaking at the same time as being the most wonderful rejoicing moment and environment to be in. I am desperate to be with a congregation that God visits again with a fresh outpouring. And Paul is saying, I love the church at Ephesus. I want you to make straight the paths and get ready for the outpouring. Amen. 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 Thanks, Claude. A wonderful message uh, this morning and um, hard to follow in the context of it being a digital gathering, really, but really want to um, encourage us all to take time, perhaps later today or after the service or at some point uh, throughout this week, really, to uh, to, to reflect and, and digest um, what, what Claude's been preaching uh, this morning and um, because uh, it certainly needs that. It was brilliant. Um, okay, we're going to uh, come to a close of the service in a moment, but I thought it was really important uh, just to include um, a, a real bit of conversation around um, uh, our happenings this week in the sense of when we talk about declaring the gospel and the kingdom of God and, uh, and serving and love of our neighbour, uh, that uh, this week we've had the community lunch for families and when I walked in there there was Sally Ann and Roz and Mark and Jackie and Cherry and Kerry and Tash and uh, everyone from uh, from the congregation some of whom we'd invited simply to come and uh, be there and uh, and to be kind of a missional prayer uh, people really in the mix and because um, that's just an important aspect of uh, you know when we are in places as Christians that we are the aroma of Christ bringing hope and love and life um, and uh, encountering the the isolation and deprivation and uh, disadvantage that so many uh, encounter. And actually, this is just about seeing people's lives flourish as, a, as part of the kingdom of God. And so um, we haven't got time to speak to everybody. And I know that not everybody is here at the moment. But Sal, I, I just asked if you if you wouldn't mind um, giving us a, a bit of feedback on uh, on how it was this week and how how you um, how you found it in giving your time uh, to uh, to participate really and be involved um, on uh, I think Thursday and Friday if I remember rightly so so, so how, how was it yeah well just sorry <laughs> just in recovery from Claude's preach yeah. <laughs> at the moment I just, I've cried all the way through it so excuse me for seeming emotional but it, it's just really affected my spirit um, so thank you Claude <laughs> uh, for the family day. Well, I, I went. I've been. I, I went for the two days, the Thursday and Friday, and hope to go on Thursday next week. But I just want to say that Judy uh, did an amazing job of um, organising things and her vision for it and how she envisaged it all and how she brought it all together was just amazing. And um, I, I wasn't sure what to expect, so I came along to sort of just be be there and be part of it and see where I could slot in really. Um, but just for me, one of the main things that I witnessed that I thought was so great, and I think was one of the main points of it, was seeing units of people, family groups, just being able to come together and spend time doing something together and seeing um, the, the educational bubble in the kitchen, actually doing all the cooking for the food. 
and a dancing going on in the other hall and uh, the, the well-being activities just being there and and witnessing groups of people enjoying just doing different things together really that they weren't used to doing and um and and the activity that was going on in the kitchen was just you know just electric really it was fantastic and the kids really enjoyed themselves and the adults did as well um one pointed thing that that happened as i was leaving on friday i walked out at the same time as one of the families and i was just chatting to the mother and she said to me this was amazing for us she said we just don't sit down as a family and do activities together like this and she said so it was a wonderful opportunity for us to be together as family just doing just sat around a table doing something together and for me that was really it that really spoke to my heart I just thought wow in this day and age people don't do that very often anymore so from that perspective it was fantastic but the atmosphere was great as you know and uh, Mark spent most of the time washing up <laughs> I was really had great admiration for Mark because yeah. he was washing up in the kitchen and uh, we, we had a great time so thank you to Judy for all her work and <laughs> <laughs> and Sal, if, if there was, um, I, I know I, I've not, uh, we, we've not had a chat about this beforehand, but, uh, you know, if there were one or two simple things, you know, meaningful things that we as a church can continue to pray for, um, for, uh, for this, because this is happening again next week, or this week coming, however you want to say it, you know, from, from your participation, your involvement, and, and you know, in that sense, what, what would be, you know, one or two little things that you think might be handy for us to be able to partner prayerfully with uh, over this next uh, this next week? Um, I think for me, the thing that would be to pray that there's the opportunity, there's lots of practical things to do, which is great, and to show love towards people in a practical way. But the thing that I would like to see more of is the interaction with people that were where conversation can happen I had a couple of conversations with people that could have gone a little bit further and uh, in terms of the spiritual side of things and right. you know to connect the practical with why are we doing this we're doing this because we love Jesus basically so we want to show the love of God to people so for, for opportunities really for that you know conversations like that to take place where people don't feel threatened in any way or there to be an ulterior motive, but that we just want to love them with the love of God and actually have an opportunity to maybe hear what they're saying and respond to that and their needs, which I, I realise that's the whole purpose of the whole thing, but it's important also, as, as Claude was saying, Jesus is Lord, we need to be able to <laughs> vocalise that as a church, really. So. Brilliant. Thanks, Sal. A round of applause to Sal. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. It's just really good to bring that into um, uh, into the room, into our gathering so that we can continue to pray throughout this week. OK, we're going to scoot along because uh, probably everybody's got numb bums and various <laughs> things and, and Zoom fatigue. So bear with us for two minutes as we come 
to a close. Some quick announcements, then we're going to hand over to Tony for a moment, aren't we? Yes, so we have cafe in the chat after uh, this morning service, so if you are able to stay with us, we would like you to. Uh, next week, Claude's mentioned, of course, he continues with uh, with the second part of what he's been speaking about today. Uh, we've mentioned, of course, yes, the invitation. So just as a reminder, uh, the invitation for fasting over this uh, month. And please also, as you pray for the community lunch for families, also an uh, Alpha starts next Sunday. So if you've been uh, considering prayerfully people to either invite or, uh, uh, or come along to that then um, please let them know it'd be good if they could uh, if they could do that before Thursday of this week um, as that will be the day that I am contacting everybody who has signed up for that so stick with us if you're still there uh, with us for a moment we're going to invite the dashingly handsome Tony Barter into the room uh, <laughs> sorry Tony I'm, I, you know um, uh, but it's true uh, so uh, you might need to unmute please sir if you would um, and uh, I know you've got a, a couple of bits to, uh, to, 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 uh, to to read this morning haven't you Tony I think you need my glasses Jim <laughs> <laughs> um, yes yeah, so I've got, got a couple of communications the, the, the first is from our regional leader, and it's entitled on the retirement of Stephen Fowler. Um, I thought it must be some allegorical writing from Wordsworth that keeps them, but it's, if it's not, um, it's to the leaders, members, and friends of Eden Connect Church. I just wanted you to, to bring you greetings and also offer an apology for not bringing a formal statement of thanks on behalf of Elim when Pastor Stephen Fowler retired on Palm Sunday. I had expressed my thanks privately to him, but realised that even though I was taking part in another service on that day, I could and should have sent greetings. Therefore, rather belatedly, on behalf of Pastor Chris Cartwright, the General Superintendent, and the National Leadership Team, I would like to give thanks for the extraordinary leadership that Stephen has given to the Elam Church in Wells. The development of the church and the impact of the church in the community and surrounding areas has clearly been blessed by God. And many have not only heard the gospel message, but experienced the gospel in very practical ways. In addition to the leadership of the local church, Stephen has also been involved in serving the Elam family, both at regional and national level. His contributions have always been thoughtful, loving and Christ honouring and have been deeply appreciated by many. I'm sure that Stephen and Jill will continue to serve God through Elim and the wider church as they enter into retirement. And like you, I pray God's richest blessing upon them in this new season. I also wanted to say that my prayers and thoughts are with you as a church in this season of change and transition. I have had the opportunity to get to know your leaders better and I'm confident that working together, God will clearly guide us forward. As with any good book, the ending of one chapter brings with it anticipation of the next. I believe that there are exciting days ahead for Elim Connect Church. God hasn't finished with you yet. So let's move forward full of hope and expectation. May God bless you all. That's Stephen Ball, the regional leader for Wales, Southern England and the Channel Islands. Now, some of you may not recognize 
Steve Ball's name, but I'm sure you'll recognize the name at the top of this one. It's um, Stephen and Jill. And uh, it's addressed to dear friends. Thank you for sharing so much love on us both during our last Sunday, um, on us both during our last Sunday at church. It was a perfect morning for us, thoughtfully organized and brilliant. It will remain a memorable day and it is so good to have the recording. We are also grateful for the many individual messages and totally blown away by the amazing gift. We plan to buy new bikes to explore the countryside and keep fit. We are really going to miss our incredible church family. This was the first Easter we have not worshipped together since the start, although we did so in spirit. You've probably heard enough from us, so we're keeping this message short in words for overflowing in love and gratitude with a bold thank you. Shakespeare said, and he was right, parting is such sweet sorrow. The Apostle Paul said, love with faith from God the Father and Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you and your spirit. Grace be with you. Our love in Jesus Christ from Stephen and Jilly. And it's not true that Claude's going to ask them to get um, exercise bikes so he doesn't want any more cyclists on the road. <laughs> yes. Amen to that as well. Thanks, Tony and Yvonne. Thank you for, uh, for reading that, Tony. Brilliant. And that, that, that brings us to, to a conclusion of our... Um, of our official gathered service in that sense and uh, so um, we're going to say a, a, a hearty uh, cheerio to everybody on Facebook thanks for joining us um, and uh, and we're gonna uh, have a continued time of um,